0: Hello, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio on the morning break.
1: Live from Liverpool, this is the morning break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio.
0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio on Thursday, the 21st of October. We are live, as always, and this morning it's a special show. I'm with Pete Warmby. We are talking autism and education. Lots of things to discuss, lots of things to chat about. If you want to get involved, please type your questions in the chat.
1: Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio.
0: Right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope you are well this morning. I always do that. I always play, you know, like three jingles in a row. I don't know why, but I do. And then I stop them. Um, But good morning, everybody. I hope you are well. Um, I hope that the weather is decent where you are in Liverpool. It's not that bad this morning, actually. Good morning, Pete. Are you okay? Uh, I am, yes. Yeah, can you hear me Okay. That's good. I can hear you loud and clear. What's the weather like where you are?
2: It's beautiful, actually. It's really, really nice, for once. You know, makes a change. <laughs> where, where exactly are you, by the way? Uh, I'm in Wiltshire. So, uh... Oh, okay. Yeah, not bad. So, yeah, I'm... it's uh, not far from Bristol.
0: Yeah, just so everyone listening, uh, we're not just going to talk about the weather today, I assure you. Um, we have lots to discuss, and the main theme for today is all things autism and education. I've asked Pete uh, to come on today uh, because... I would uh, describe him as an expert in this area um, and I would describe myself as feeling a little bit ignorant in this area. So I I feel like it's a good combination here. Um, So I'm going to ask questions that I think perhaps questions I've wanted to ask uh, for a period of time with Pete and then um, I'm going to give him an opportunity to to answer them. Pete, I just think before we get into this, do you want to just outline um your kind of background and uh, briefly and um, and where you're at
2: yeah of course um <clears throat> so let's have a think then so i mean I was, I was teaching is the main thing that i've done for the last you know 10 15 years um i started teaching i did my pgc in 2007 i think uh feels like a long time ago now um and obviously i've just done that ever since i, I taught up in lincolnshire for quite a while nottingham and then down in um down in wiltshire as well um and it was only recently that I, that I kind of <laughs> knocked that on the head, um, COVID having quite a you know big part in that, really, uh, and kind of anxiety around things. Um, but, you know, I'm still kind of fundamentally a teacher at heart after all that time, you know, it doesn't leave you very easily. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and obviously, you know, kind of behind that, um, I was diagnosed with autism in 27, no, yeah, 2017, it's, it's a while ago now. Um and, and obviously that, that had a massive impact on my life. You know, that changed things a great deal because it, it clarified an awful lot for me about um, why it was that I found Kind of normal life, or you know, life as as I, as I perceived to be normal, um, more difficult than it seemed other people did, um, and you know, ever since then things have you know grown and I, I've I've become more active talking about it on Twitter and doing my videos and things like that, um, so so yeah, you know, fundamentally a teacher at heart, but at the moment not specifically doing that, focusing more just on um, on you know trying to get the understanding of autism. Uh, increased, you know, which is why this kind of thing is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. And and I, I was wondering, you mentioned there the diagnosis of of autism. I wondered two things really. Is is and you've kind of touched on this, but what drove you to explore that at that time? I suppose would be part A, and then part B would be how do you get diagnosed with autism? What, what did you What did you have to do for someone to determine? That you were autistic.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, in in terms of part A, um, it was really a a, a result of wanting to figure out why I felt the way that I did. At the time, I was quite unhappy. You know, I was, um, I I was, I was, you know, clinically depressed and 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 you know, very, very anxious all of the time, uh, which was quite new to me you know, I hadn't really experienced that kind of thing before. I think I've always had a low level anxiety, but the depression was new, you know, that, that, that was quite scary, you know, it felt very, very different to what I was used to. Um, and I was, you know, because it's, it's my nature to try and figure out, you know, why, you know, look for answers and try and figure out, you know, what is causing this. And, and, um, I just kind of came across, people online talking about being autistic and it was the first time i I'd, I'd really found uh, adults talking about it you know talking about the fact that they were autistic mm. and discussing their their um their experiences which was very new uh you know to me um yeah. and it was astonishing how much of it clicked you know and how many things that they were saying I could recognize in myself and and that was the starting point really then I just started to research it and to look into it in more detail um I mean the one of the kind of accessible things about autism. It sounds a bit of a strange way to word it, but in order to kind of get the ball rolling, it's actually not that difficult because there are plenty of online tests. Mm. Well, the the tests that psychiatrists and psychologists administer to you you know, yeah. as part of the, as part of the assessment are available online and they're, you know, you can do them yourself, uh, you know, during a coffee yeah. break, if you really wanted to, um, you know, they're just one of those kind of multiple choice things like, you know, um, you know, <laughs> would you rather go to the library or go to a big party? You know, it's like, well, yeah. obviously the library, <laughs> um, you know, and so, so you kind of work your way through that. And then at the end it gives you a score. And when I did it, it was very much like, you know, red lights came on and it was like, oh my God, quick, go to the doctors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you know my, my score was absolutely, you know, ludicrously high. I mean, can, um, you,
0: remember, can, can you remember any of the, the, the questions in terms of what you answer? Can you remember now kind of the things that, you, you know, as you went through the test, were you thinking, oh, I'm answering these quite
2: definitively or... Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I did feel like, you know, none of the questions felt like I wasn't sure, if you know what I mean. You know, every, every yeah. single response I gave was like, that is very definite. That's definitely how I feel about this. And it was things like... Um, Oh, let me let me get my head around this again. So, like like I say, it was the one about would you rather go to a party or go yeah. to somewhere quiet, like the library, which is obviously you know assessing your yeah. um, preferences for social situations and noise and things like that. Um, there was another one. Uh, well, it depends on the test you do, but the, usually there will be one based on the idea of um, finding clothing uncomfortable you know um not, not like generally you know no, that's, like inter- you to... no, no, that's
0: interesting that's interesting yeah it's,
2: it's like you know do you find um like new clothes difficult to kind of get used to or um or do you find that uh, you're always too hot or always too cold you know things things like this to do with the um the sensory issues around autism which is that okay. kind of hypersensitivity to anything that could be classed as discomfort which is you know very serious for a lot of us um so so that was a big part of it um and there were lots and lots to do with <clears throat> um you know socializing and spending time with other people like would you rather be alone or would you rather spend time with someone else that that kind of thing and um and and although you know it's not true to say that all autistic people are you know are um, misanthropists you know who just want to hide in a in a cave for the rest of their lives you know some of us are actually very extroverted and like people but it's still hard work, you know, and it's still tiring. And because of that, we we often do tend to avoid it, even if we enjoy it. Um, so, so yeah, it was that kind of thing, really. I mean, honestly, all you all you'd need to do for anyone listening who's kind of interested is just search autism tests, um, mm-hmm. and and yeah. you know, look look for look for the ones that don't look like they're trying to get money out of you. <laughs> yeah, I
0: was would say. say That's the rule yeah, of I'm sure there'll be some dodgy stuff got out there as well. Um, yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah. Um, I, listen, uh, we've got live listeners here, so uh, you know. Good morning That's to good. Hannah and and Chris, and uh, there's some other usernames that I'm not going to try and pronounce, but um, but yeah, there's lots of people. Tim's here who, who regularly listens, and uh, other people are, are entering the studio. If you have a question during the show and you are listening live, then you can just type it in the uh, in the chat box and I will read it out to Pete um, as we go through. Um, if you are listening back uh, as a podcast, then just follow TT Radio 2021 and we can direct your questions from there. Um, and obviously we are going to get into the kind of issue of autism and education uh, soon as well. But Pete, just um, when you got the diagnosis, it, it, I think you mentioned 2017, Yes. What what does that diagnosis mean? What what is autism?
2: Well, (laughs) there's there's the big question. Um, I mean, fundamentally, what it meant was that um, my brain, uh, you know, like anyone else with autism, uh, my brain is uh, as far as we are aware and as far as we can tell and work out, because, you know, research is still, as always, ongoing. Um, my, my brain is basically wired differently to, for example, yours, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> um, so so um, th- th- there's something about the way that everything is connected, you know, in there that, that means that my experience of the world is going to be, you know, in some ways subtly and in some ways quite drastically different to how, you know, for example, you will experience the world. Um, and yeah. I always like the analogy of, you know, because obviously, you know, Tech is is something that I'm vaguely interested in. Um, of computer operating systems, you know, you've got Windows, you've got um, Linux, you've got uh, whatever it is that Apple uses, <laughs> and yeah. and they, they're all they're all very similar. They all do the same kind of thing, you know. And at first glance, you wouldn't think that there was too much you know differentiating them really, because they all make the computer do what you want the computer to do, um, but obviously as anyone knows that's ever tried to do this if you're trying to get them to communicate with each other then you come across problems more or less straight away you know that that kind of compatibility issue is there because even though they're doing a similar thing you know that they're, they're making the computer work in the same way that our brains are making us work um that they, they don't go together very easily and there are clashes and there are miscommunications and things just kind of go wrong um yeah. and i, th- I th- I've always found that the best way to explain it, really, you know, because it, it shows that, you know, we're not that different. Like a Linux computer is not that different to a Windows computer, and you yeah. can still do the same kind of stuff. But there's a barrier there between the two things, um, which is the case, you know, amongst autistic people and neurotypical people, too.
0: Yeah, and I'm interested in the social aspect of, of this. So, you know, I think that's a really good useful analogy for, for someone like me, um, uh, who, who is very much a novice on this is, is this idea of different operating systems. Um, but if we were to kind of, uh, I guess, continue that analogy, I mean, from a social perspective, um, what does that What does that mean for you in 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 social settings? The fact you have this you you have this different operating system.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How does How does that impact you in social
2: situations? Well, there's a, there's a few kind of main ways, I suppose. I mean, the, the the first and most obvious one is going to be to do with use of language, I suppose. Which is an English teacher is something that I'm kind yeah. of inherently fascinated in, anyway. Um, but so so for example in 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 english you know when we communicate with each other when we talk you know let's say that we were working in the same school and we bumped into each other in the corridor you know like you do um there's an element of what we call phatic communication which is the small talk that you know is is something that everyone does on a daily basis and it's a kind of way to very slowly and gradually increased social kind of links between one another. Um, You know, it's the way that you start to make friends. You know, it starts with the small talk and it builds from there. Um, You know, it's a standard part of communication for neurotypical people. The, uh, The difference for an autistic person is, for whatever reason, our operating system doesn't, like, recognize small talk. You know, it's like if you try to install Smalltalk on our operating system, it, it would come up, you know, with big error alerts saying, you know, it does it does not compute. Um, because I, mean, I, I don't know exactly why this is, but it, but it, for a great many autistic people, Small Talk feels very very high stakes and impossible to navigate um, because it it's so it's so based on unwritten rules. Yeah. Rules that for some reason non-autistic people just have in their heads, it seems. You know, like almost like you're 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 born with an understanding of it. And we we we're not. So for example, you know, you you say to me, Oh, morning, how are you? And you know, I mean it's a stereotype, but it is very accurate. My response to that question, inherently, you know, my, my 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 gut response would be to want to tell you exactly how I am you know however that might be and in in whatever detail would be seen to be to, to, to me to be relevant so you know that that's when you get those situations especially with autistic students where they overshare a little bit um you know and then they talk a little bit too much about you know exactly what it is that's going on in their lives yeah and and though i can train myself and have trained myself you know over my entire life not to do that because i recognize that it's unacceptable you know inappropriate even though you could argue with both of those things um you know so, so i kind of play the game you know i know now how to play the game um and and respond in the way that's kind of expected so just to sort of say well i'm fine you know how are you but it never goes away the kind of fear and the stress and the anxiety of knowing that you're 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 playing a game that you don't really want to play if that makes sense yeah oh it absolutely the, it does yeah and it, it, it's, it's like, um, and, and of course, to a neurotypical person, you know, they, they wouldn't even notice this if talking to me. They just go about their day, you know, after the, the brief interaction that we'd had. But of course, I would go away from it at the very least, um, stressing out and overthinking about whether I messed up. You know, did I did I play the game wrong? And if I had, would I ever find out? Like, would they tell me? Well, probably not. You know, so, so you know, you end up in a kind of anxiety spiral that, that, that can grow and grow and grow and all based on, you know, a, a 30 second interaction because we don't have that kind of software in our, you know, in our in our system. It's just not part of our lives. Um, so sorry, that was a very involved, quite, no, <laughs> quite long answer a,
0: to, to the first part. No, that was a brilliant answer. And uh, I mean, just taking what you've said uh, a little bit there and, and packaging it would you say would the would would me saying to you in response do, does that mean it's something to do with taking things is taking things literally part of it is that is that part of it or is that a very simple superficial way of, of
2: talking about it it is actually. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, actually, because you know one of the things that I like to do most when I get to do things like this is is sort of you know bust those myths yeah, a little bit, exactly. Um, exactly. And you and you're right. That is very much kind of um, I, I remember being in school um, as as a teacher, you know, before I had my diagnosis and sitting in on some um, some autism training, you know, that was delivered. By a uh, by a non autistic person, obviously, um, and and they spent all of their time talking about how how literal how like I say how literal we all are, you know, and um and and it it was almost a source of amusement um yeah. to to the people yeah. in the room, and and you know at the time I I, I don't think I really. I, I doubt, if I'm honest with you, I doubt I was paying attention. Um, I, was, I was probably, you know, I think I'd already clocked that I didn't quite trust the person. Um, yeah, but but yeah. I, I very much remember that yeah, uh, the, the, the idea went round about um, saying, you know, oh, you've got to, you've got to pull your socks up. That was, that's always the example that they use, you know, the metaphor of pulling one socks up, which, of course, yeah. means to, to, you know, just kind of change your attitude and work a bit harder. And, and this idea that autistic people just didn't get that. And the implication that we just couldn't get it either, <laughs> you know, that it was just impossible, that there was no way that we could understand anything that's kind of um, uh, metaphorical or non-literal. Um, and it's simply not true. It's absolutely not true at all. Um, it's a myth, I think, that's based on several things. Um, obviously, all sayings, metaphorical sayings, the first time you hear them, are going to be a little bit confusing. It doesn't matter whether you're autistic or not. You know, if you've never heard the phrase, pull your socks up. Yeah. It'll take you a short amount of time, a, 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 at least, to figure out, you know, why that's relevant and what on earth they're talking I about. I mean, I'll be honest. You know,
0: I'll, I'll be honest with you, Pete. I said to a friend of mine the other week, one of my phrases that I use all the time, is, which is not that funny, but it, it, it amuses me <laughs> still, is when I say, uh, uh, I'm very trying, you know. And yes. I mean, yeah. very annoying, um, and, <laughs> yes, you know. Um, so I'm very trying, and uh, you know, my friend. Obviously, went completely over the head, and they they corrected the grammar. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's a, I mean that's a completely different example, but you get my point. Is like I understand I, what I mean... you're saying. It's it's anybody can not yeah cannot not take a phrase or know a phrase or have that.
2: Exactly to know that anybody exactly and i think what happens is you know autistic kids especially who who might not have that kind of i suppose you could call it kind of cultural capital in a very low-key way you know of just that phraseology they might not have it and they might not have it for the simple fact that they avoid interaction with people as much as they can so so you know they they've they've just naturally therefore got less of that knowledge than, you know, other people might have at that age. Um, but it's kind of leapt upon that, you know, oh, my God, they don't understand it. You know, that means that they, that, that they just don't get metaphors or jokes or sarcasm or irony and all this kind of thing. When, when the reality is that, you know, the vast majority of autistic people, um, you know, are, are completely able to, you know, understand those kind of things. I mean, you know, I, I'm an English graduate. I def- that would have been pretty much impossible if I couldn't do imagery. You know, if I couldn't do uh, non-literal stuff, then there's no way on earth I could have got an English degree. You know, because, you know, so much of everything in English is to do with things that are inferred, um, things that you, you know, kind of interpretations of things, use of humor, use of sarcasm, use of irony. You know, it's it's absolutely vital. Um, And, you know... it would suggest, if it were true, it would suggest that autistic people couldn't do comedy or humour at all, mm. which is an absolute nonsense, because actually what you tend to find is that because we're slightly marginalised, there are a lot of autistic comedians out there. Yeah, you know, A lot. And yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to sit around and start armchair diagnosing, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that some, you know, established comedians may well be neurodivergent in their own way. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, you know, and that's just comedians. I mean, you know, you've got comedy writers, you've got people who write for scripts and do you know comedy writing for shows, and there's there's a large contingent of you know uh, neurodiverse people in those uh, neurodivergent people in those in those fields. So, um, so yeah, yeah, very much a myth, but based I think on this fact that um, when we are having you know, kind of conversations where jokes might f- start flying around. There is a tendency that we have to not to quite know when we're meant to take things literally and when we're meant to take things seriously. If that if that makes sense, it's, it's, it's like it does. it's like again, neurotypical people seem to have that inherently. They they just know when things are joking and when they're not. I mean, I don't know whether that's true, but they certainly seem to. Whereas for us guys it can be very, very difficult to work out. Like, you know, oh, is, are they joking? Are, yeah, do do, yeah, do yeah. they mean that? You know, so if, I mean, I remember very vividly, you know, I had some SLT members when I was teaching who were lovely, but they were quite blokey. You know, they were quite, you know, they, they enjoyed the banter and they liked that yeah. kind of um, mocking, well, not mocking, but humorous. Yeah, taking um, take, a, take humorous mocking. Humorous yeah, taking them yeah taking the Mickey well yeah Mickey is the right word uh, rather than what I was about to say um yeah taking the Mickey you know just kind of um you know pushing pushing that a little bit and and you often find that it's autistic people who struggle with that the most yeah you know it's 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 really difficult you know if when this person came into me and they kind of said oh you're in trouble you know they were just being silly my but you know my heart just sank into my boots you know it's like oh my god what have I done? you know, and just absolute terror, because I just couldn't read the room, (laughs) you know, I just couldn't figure out what the kind of atmosphere was, or what the purpose was, because again, I don't have that software, you know, it's it's just not part of how my brain works, so I think that that gets extrapolated then, that we just don't get anything that's not purely literal, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah, and what about, what about, I mean, we're going to come on, Obviously, for the rest of the show, uh, looking specifically at, at children and education, yeah. So we're gonna yes. we're gonna look at that specifically. But I was wondering when it came to, and this could be for you or for for anybody, but when it comes to learning, right? What are the what are the key elements there with autism? I mean, you know, we've talked about the uh, this kind of social. Aspect of it, I guess, in terms of mm-hmm. you know, conversational, or whatever. What are the what are the kind of learning elements for you? I mean, what was your experience, and what do you th- you know, what is the general experience based on your findings, if you like?
2: Well, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a big one. I mean, the, it, you could break it down into lots of different kind of facets, I suppose. I mean, fundamentally, you know, the the, the learning experience of an autistic person, um, pr- obviously, provided that they don't have any learning disabilities as well uh, because obviously that changes things considerably um, but if, if it's just autism that, that, that we're talking about then then really and truly the learning experience kind of fundamentally isn't that different to to what you would expect um, I mean what you'll tend to find is that um, the, the, the students interest in the topic is probably more important than it would be for a, a, a neurotypical student um, simply because if they are genuinely invested and interested in the topic, then what you're likely to see is like an absolute focus that, that, that kind of, you know, is like, wow, okay, you know, that's that's impressive. yeah uh, Because, you know, of that whole hyper-focus and um, monotropic focus, uh, fascination we can have with certain topics that, that, yeah. that can you know well we're just we just never exhausted by them you know we're just we you know like for example for me it's something like the titanic or or um, or world war ii you know i can read about it and absorb information about it for days and, days and days and days and days without you know fatigue um so so you might see that as a positive you know if the interest is there yeah um I I would say it's possible that it can be more difficult to engage autistic students generally and I'm speaking very generally um if the if the topic doesn't interest them for the simple reason that it's going to be competing with the things in their head that do interest them yeah so in in my um, in, in the book that i've just literally just handed in to my editor you know it's going to be published in it'll be sometime next year um in it i talk a little bit about um my, an experience in a french lesson when I'd, i i i could i'm not very good at languages you know foreign languages and i just couldn't not for some reason it just doesn't click and i was struggling and the 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 content of the lesson was very much in competition with the thing that i really wanted to be thinking about at that point which, because it was about 1995, was the video game um, Donkey Kong Country 2. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with it (laughs) but it's a it's a it's a Donkey Kong game you know on the SNES back in the day yeah I loved it you know it was it was my absolute world for you know probably about six months. Legend
0: though. If if Graham's listening Graham is our uh, teachers taught radio gaming bod he's obsessed with all things old games so if he's listening he's going to buzz off this conversation I mean I I have to I have to say I did love Super Nintendo and you know, I had. obviously a bit later, Goldeneye, but definitely back in the day. Oh yes, yeah. the old, the old one. It was, yeah. It was like God, what was I playing? Geez, you've, you've brought back some memories now. Um... <laughs> oh God, we'll have to do that again. We'll have to talk about that
2: another time. But carry on, carry on with the story. <laughs> That's now. fine. Well, anyway, so uh, so yeah, I was, um, and that was all I wanted to think about. So I, I was sitting there, and rather than doing the work, I just found myself. I was, I, I found myself just doodling in the back cover of my book, my exercise book, um, a, a picture of the kind of map of the game, you know, like where all the worlds were. There was this lovely kind of, um, you know, level select map on in the game that uh, I was very fond of. And I just yeah. kind of drew, recreated that. And, you know, I was not a naughty child. You know, I did everything I could to stay under the radar and to just, you know, get, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of praise, you know, so that, that was always very much my, my, you know, motivator at school. So, I, you know, I wasn't being naughty. I wasn't being disrespectful. I was just, I was struggling with the, with, with the fact that my head just wanted to think about something else, you know, and trying to fight that is hard, even as an adult, you know, it can be very, very challenging. I'll be in, you know, when I was back in teaching and I was, even when I was head of department, I'll be in a, you know, a, a, a a team meeting with the rest of the department and we'll be talking about something and I would have to literally rest, you know, wrestle my brain from thinking about whatever it was that I was most fascinated in at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that's an energetic process. You know, and and it means that you can come across looking very distracted, um, and kind of vague. You know, and it's like all of a sudden you just kind of come around and like, what, <laughs> what, what's going on? Um, and, and you know, it, it's not ideal. So, so that's something that you may very well come across in the classroom. You know, that kind of just like they're not. People often talk about it as you know, autistic kids in particular are off in their own world. You know, just kind of away with the fairies, you, I suppose did is the you... phrase. Did
0: you get in trouble in this French lesson? Is that...
2: I did. Yes, I did. For, for two things. For not paying attention, because uh, the, the teacher noticed, bless them, um, and for defacing my exercise book, obviously. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, from my point of view, you know, the, the injustice was palpable, because, you know, as far as I was concerned, I'd improved my exercise book. You know, I was I, I was never going to write on that page. You know, it was the inside back cover. You know, it's 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 going to be eternally blank you know oh, so sorry no, i'm
0: a i'm a traditionalist i'd have got mad as well oh i know it, i know <laughs> indeed
2: indeed but when it comes to later if we talk about you know reasonable adjustments it's worth bearing in mind absolutely um, you, you know it, it's it's that it's I, I felt very very unhappy that i had been challenged because like i said i, I was desperate to please you know I really yeah. was, and i had I had no intention to to cause upset or to do anything, and that's you know why I chose that particular page of the book to do it on you know sure. rather than you know underneath the date and title of that day's lesson, yeah you know, just, yeah just, yeah, just yeah. draw it right there on the line paper you yeah. know that that would have been a bit a bit off but but yeah, so I mean, I remember that vividly, hence why you know it ended up in the book and why I'm talking about it now, I suppose, but um so yeah that that is something that you're going to come across you know that that away with the fair is a thing you know and there's often a tendency to think you know with with autistic kids that when they're doing that when they seem distracted that that it's like i say that it's that it's you know a challenge you know that they're challenging you or, or that or they're 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 being yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. in some way and I, I would put money on the fact to be honest with you that the majority of the time and not always there's always going to be exceptions but yeah the majority of the time what you're probably seeing there is they're just thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, or or whatever else. That's that's a bit niche these days, actually. But you know, whatever it is that kids like these days, um, you know, and 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 they're they're struggling to shake it. You know, they're struggling to to like detach from that and try and reconnect with what's going on in front of them, which you know, as I can attest, is difficult even in adulthood. Um, so, so yeah. Again, I've I've gone on for a while. We were talking about. Um... No,
0: that's good. This is all because I. I mean, obviously, we're going to link all this to education and, and children, and you know what? What I was going to ask you is, do, does the experience of an autistic adult vary from that of a ch- an
2: autistic child? Um, I was thinking about this, and I've got to say, not not really. I I would say that all of the things that I struggled with. Um, you know, w- when I was at primary school, when I was at secondary school, you know, when I was at university and, you know, now, big, big <laughs> time jump there between university and now, but I'll, I'll stand by it, um, was, was it's all the same. You know, it's the same challenges. It's the same difficulties. The only thing that's really different is um, my ability to kind of push through and, you know, kind of not let it be a problem, I suppose, or, or, or try to hide it. You know, which is what we call autistic masking, which is the ability that you know nearly all autistic people have um, to, to to hide those autistic traits that we know we display, that we also know will target you know make us targets for bullies and and teachers telling us off and all that kind of thing. So so you know we learn to pretend that we're that we're not autistic. We learn to pretend to be you know, <laughs> for want of a better word, normal. Um, and and I would say that that's something that definitely does improve over time. Um, that ability I mean I, I use the word improve you know with provisos because masking is exhausting it's a very tiring thing to do um, and you know it, it would be a lot better if we didn't have to do it um, and that's certainly something that I, I, I see as a kind of aim ultimately you know to make it so that autistic people could just be themselves you know without fear of you know retribution for that um, but you know we're not there yet, so until we get there that's going to be the big thing that you'll notice and you often hear teachers and and t a s talk about students when they get to a level or even g c s e who ha- who who have been diagnosed as, as autistic um talking about how oh but you know they're, they're much better now you know they' they're, they're you know they they've they've grown they've grown out of that an awful lot um and of course, they they haven't at all. You know, you don't grow out of it. It doesn't go anywhere. It's still there. You know, <laughs> you're born it, you live it, and you die it. You know, as I always say. Um, what's happened is they've got much much better at hiding it. You know, and and at um, yeah at, at presenting a, a more presentable face to the world. Um, uh, so so yeah yeah. So, I mean to answer the question again, just I, I don't think it changes very much at all. The only thing that really improves is the uh, is your ability to to you know. Um, handle what life throws at you, I suppose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll tell you what we're going to do, Pete, because uh, you've answered some cracking questions there. I want to spend one minute reflecting on it. So I'm going to go to an ad break. We're back in yep, 30 yep. seconds. So you just uh, you just chill. And also, uh, I'm going to think about everything you've said, because uh, there's a lot there to, to take in and ask you some further questions on. And just to remind everybody listening live, if you want to ask a question, pop one in the comments. Uh, if you have your own question, pop it in the comments, or you could just tweet us at @TT TTRadio2021. And uh, Tom, who's on the Twitter, will we'll pop it in here. I'm sure, if you have a question uh, at the moment.
1: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge, and empower your team through the CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course, or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hi, Pete. Welcome back. Oh, my goodness
0: me. I always see how I I did that at the start of the show as well. I just keep playing (laughs) random
2: stuff all over the shop. Anyway, well, I always thought that was the point of being a radio host. You know, you you get those buttons, you've got to use them. True, fair point. Um, <laughs> I, I, so
0: I thought we'd move on to kind of um, teaching now and, and kind of from the from the teacher's perspective um, of, of kind of... You mentioned the phrase reasonable adjustments earlier. And this is yes. something I wanted to ask you in terms of... Uh, well, two things, I guess. There's two parts to this question. Part A, what reasonable adjust, adjustments would you expect a teacher to make for an autistic child? And part mm-hmm. B... What are the biggest challenges for the teacher who wants to develop uh, their autism practice and to actually make those reasonable adjustments because I I tweeted out uh, the other the other day um, uh, I think it was two days ago now about um, you know one of the weaknesses that I feel I have as a teacher is is my send practice simply because and and, and I want there's two reasons for that Part A is knowledge and Part B is time. And, yes, and I guess I guess there would be a, I guess there would be a part C on there as well, which is in a classroom where you have say ten to fifteen students, as opposed to a classroom where you have thirty plus, there is a massive difference. And I think <laughs> yes, that, And I think that you can yes you could be aware of of the particular needs of individual students in the class, but when you're actually in that class, a lot of it can and I hold my hands up here, a lot of it goes out the window because. You're in that pressure situation where you're having to really think on your feet. So, I guess what I'm asking is, what are the what are the kind of simple things for someone like me that you think would would make a difference? So, the things that you'd say, right? You know, here's a few, here's two or three general pointers. Here's a few things that you could do easily that would make a big difference
2: well i mean i mean firstly i I completely understand you know i mean one of the things i always found most challenging about teaching was was trying to make sure that you know you 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 catered for you know the different individual needs in the classroom and and you're right you know you you do your planning you know you know what you're going to do and then something happens in the lesson and just all bets are off. You know, everything just changes, and it's, you know, and chaos could ensue in any, any moment. You've got to kind of, dra- kind of drag it back. And it's very, very, it is very difficult. I mean, I would always say that in regards to autism itself, you know, just specifically autism, that the vast majority of the adjustments that you can put in place um, are, are, are things that you put in pl- place kind of before the lesson. And they don't yeah. tend really to, to be anything kind of physical. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, resourcing or, you know, differentiated worksheets or anything like that, um, because autism doesn't really work that way. You know, it's it, it, it doesn't really require, um, you know, a, a special worksheet or, you know, something with things worded differently. There's not really any need for that. Um, most of the <clears throat> adjustments that I would always recommend for, for any teacher who's interested, and obviously that should be all of them, really, ideally, yeah. Would, yeah. would be very simple things, really, like... Um, Environment is probably the most straightforward um, to, to, to get the actual classroom environment just slightly adjusted in order to ensure that autistic kids are going to, you know, at least start off on a better foot in that lesson. Um, and that's because of the sensory issues that I talked about earlier. So, for example, it's it's about making sure that your room is, um, how can I put this, not too busy. Yeah, if that makes sense, you know, it's <clears throat> the thing that always strikes me whenever I walk into any classroom is how engaging, if you like, the walls are. <laughs> OK, and and it's about displays and posters and, and you know, notices and all the stuff that you tend to have in a classroom. And and, and and the problem is that for an autistic child and if I'm completely honest, an autistic adult like myself, if the walls are tremendously busy with lots of things going on because we can't turn it off, because we can't turn mm. our, our absorption of that information off in the same way that neurotypical people can, it's extraordinarily distracting. You know, it's, um, I mean, I always tend to talk about this in, a, in an auditory way. So, for example, you know, you're in a coffee shop or you're in a pub or something, and, and autistic people, generally speaking, can't turn off our taking in of, of noise and sounds. You know, so so we find ourselves, you know, automatically processing other people's conversations and the sound of the coffee machine and the sound of someone's phone going off. We don't want to. It's all involuntary, but it's happening all the time. Um, and as you can probably imagine, it's inordinately stressful. You know, it's like it's like just you're being kind of hemmed in by sound, you know, just kind of completely crashing into your head constantly. Um, And in the classroom, it's very similar with the the visuals around you. You know, it's always very colourful, very big, bubble writing, pictures, words. And, you you, you know, unless you look down at the desk and ignore it purposefully, you're just absorbing it constantly, and that can be too much. Yeah. You know, that, that can be the difference between being able to cope with the lesson and starting to fall apart a little bit.
0: I mean, there, there so, is. I mean, I have to say, Pete, this this chimes with general kind of um, uh, kind of cognitive research, anyway, in terms of you know a lot. Yes, there is a lot yes. out there that kind of says, you know what, make things more simple and more stripped back, anyway, regardless of that. Yeah, you know, there is yeah. a but. E- but taking that into account, I guess even more important to to at least review that. Um, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, well, I think you know it's one of those. I mean, I don't know. I remember this from when I was doing my PGC and from the early 2010s. There was, there was a real, like, absolute expectation that your displays would be amazing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that your rooms would be like little, um, even in secondary, that your rooms would be like a, 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 a grotto, <laughs> you know, a shiny cave of glorious things. Um, and I never subscribed to it because I think at some level I knew I wouldn't be able to work in that environment. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think I recognize, even without the diagnosis, that if I was to make my room, like, you know, jam-packed with loads of stuff, that it would just cause me, you know, get headaches and stuff. So, so yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of the cognitive research has gone into, um, you know, obviously we tend to use PowerPoints and, you know, electronic displays, you know, for the lesson content. And, you know, not making those slides too busy as well. You know that 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 tendency. I mean, you know, if you if you download um, PowerPoints and things from like 2011 or something like that, they are absolutely just whoa. <laughs> you know, there's, there's pictures everywhere, yeah, and there's yeah. loads of different fonts going on, yeah. all different colours. It's like you know when you when you get a. Um, you know, a year eight class to design the front cover magazine, you know, in, in yeah. an IT lesson. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too much. And, and I think, you know, rightly, we are moving away from that and recognising that, you know, that doesn't actually achieve very much, you know, to be honest, with, for anybody. Um, and it's just time-consuming for the teacher. But, you know, for an autistic student, it's even more important because, you know, if, if there's that much information going on, it's all kind of scattered around randomly, then you've got no, um, no hope, no chance at all of following it or of, you know, kind of identifying the important bit you know, on the screen or, or on the walls or, or whatever it might be. So, so, yeah, just, you know, cutting everything back, keeping things more simple, more straightforward, um, you know, removing that level of visual chaos and busyness would go a long way to helping an awful lot of autistic students, I think
0: yeah absolutely and and i mean is there anything else i mean that's that's one which is which is which yep, completely yep. makes sense to me because that's a pre lesson thing and and for me that would be from a teaching perspective uh quite an easy one actually to take into account of so that's a good that's a good one for me Yes. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's something that you can do quite, you know, exactly. just, just tear tear everything off exactly. the office, you know, <laughs> and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just, just to stay with the environment of the room, just before I move on. Yeah. Um, the other real big thing to think about is smell, which sounds awful, but, oh, <laughs> but bear with me. Um, generally speaking, out of all of the sensory issues that autistic people have, I, I think it's fair to say that it's touch and smell that are the most um, troublesome for us um so you know touches like the feel of uniform and stuff and of course as a teacher you've got no you've got no control over that um but the smell thing i think is something that all teachers can bear in mind and that there are two things really that, that, that are worth considering one is the um you know the air freshener or the diffuser or whatever it is that some teachers like to have in their room i understand it i get it. it's a very relaxing smell you know lavender or something like that However, unfortunately, you can pretty much guarantee that that is going to be a, a focal point then for the autistic person. They're not, they're not going to be able to avoid it or ignore it. Yeah, it might okay. really cause problems, you know, irritation, and, and yeah, yeah. Um, it, it can be really quite severe. You know, I mean, if I'm in a room with a strong smell that I don't like, then I'm – I mean, it sounds so entitled, but it's not like we can help it um, – then I'm, like, absolutely gone. You know, that I can't focus on anything. I'm, I'm, I'm totally – distracted by the whole thing um so you know and and so this also goes to something that's a bit more personal which is of course you know strong perfume or aftershave yeah which which is you know feels like it's kind of attacking the person you know the teacher um i mean that it's it's not it's it's just you know if if you can avoid it or tone it down a little bit, then I would always recommend doing that. Uh, you know, it's a quick fix and it has such a difference for autistic students. I mean, I always had teachers who, you know, they, they may have wore quite a lot of, you know, very strong aftershave or perfume. Yeah. And whenever they came near me, I recoiled you know, because it was it was just too strong. You know, my, my poor little nose, you know, just couldn't couldn't handle it, you know, and it was just so distracting and it would linger and it made me feel sick or it made me get a headache. And, you know, quite physical reactions can happen. Um, so, you know, just staying around the idea of classroom environment, that's something that I would recommend, yeah. even if it feels a little bit too intrusive. In terms of other things, other adjustments, I mean, I've always thought, because of the issue of you know not wanting children to de- deface their exercise books, I've always found that letting autistic children have like a sketchbook or something that they're allowed to mm. doodle in is a good idea um, if they're that way inclined. Yeah. Um, you know it's, it's worth bearing in mind that for a lot of autistic students, that act of doodling is, is actually more of a what we call a stim than anything else. Um, so a, a stim. For autistic people, um, well, I mean, you know, imagine the last time you made a difficult phone call and you were kind of walking up and down, you're know, pacing. Yeah, yeah. Because you do, don't you, you know? Because it, it, that's stimming. You know, it's a physical repetitive movement that you do to help calm yourself down. Got you. Yeah. You know, to kind of monitor and to regulate your mood a little bit. Okay. Um, and autistic people need to do that more because we're generally a lot more stressed. Um, so, so we do things. You know, we tap or we rock or we uh, we, we we wiggle our legs around an awful lot or. I don't know some, some even do clapping or something like that. You know, so sometimes it can be quite, you know, quite a big, big movement, you know, and that can be quite off-putting for some people. But for, but for some, it's just doodling. It's just, you know, randomly drawing little shapes and things like that. And I don't think that's far removed from what neurotypical people do either. But obviously, you get that, that pushback you know you mustn't doodle in my lesson you know that's not allowed that's that's you know you're not listening you're you're distracting yourself um which is ironically often the the exact opposite it's actually the doodling is allowing them to concentrate and to focus you know and and, and is giving them just that you know that 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 calm that they need you know very much is stimming of that type is 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 a balm. you know it's it's a it's like stepping into a warm bath. You know, it's calming. It's it's genuinely very, very positive and pleasant. And it helps us keep ourselves just grounded a little bit, you know, without all of the stress and the sensory stuff and the, the anxiety all crashing into our heads. So I, I would say that allowing that is a big thing. You know, allowing a bit of doodling, um, allowing them to have a, a stim toy, if, if that's something that they yeah. enjoy or if that's something that works yeah. for them you you're always going to come up with the problem of you know sir how come he gets to do that and I can't which is an unfair representation of how they talk but you know what you know what I mean <laughs> I um, you know, that, that, that is I know that, very you know, well yeah <laughs> yes. it's, it's, something, it's it's a it's a pushback you're always going to hear. I remember hearing it, you know, in staff meetings, whenever we were talking about this kind of thing, you get someone saying, you know, a teacher saying, well, you know, if you give it to one kid, all the other kids are going to want it as well. Um, and I, I get the idea, you know, I, I understand where that comes from. You know, I suppose ultimately it comes from a position of equity, you know, and fairness. But I think really where it comes from is a, is a not wanting to have to deal with that difficult conversation <laughs> because that's what it would involve it would involve you know talking about the fact that some students need things that are different yeah. and 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 that is a culture thing that's a whole school culture thing really of of how aware are the other students of autism and how autism presents
0: would you think um, that, do, do you think though that i mean how would if you were the teacher how would you approach the student about that would you would you like if it was me would i go up to that student and say would would they find that offensive if i say would you like this op- option or would, would they be thinking, Oh, this is good that he's thought of this or, or what,
2: you know, uh, I mean, oh, it's, it's difficult to say. I, I would be yeah, surprised. It depends on the person. It, it does. I mean, you do tend to get a couple of different types of autistic student. You've got those who are completely comfortable with their diagnosis. Mm. Um, they're usually the ones that have had it really talked through with them, you know, and they've, they've had the opportunity to ask questions and that they kind of get it, you know, and, and I've taught a fair few of those. And, um, you know, and and they'll be they'll be fine with that. You know, they, they will accept that. Generally speaking, I think quite happily. Um, unfortunately, you do also get the autistic students who who hate the fact that they've got that label. You know, yeah. they absolutely despise it. Um, either because they don't want to be different, because obviously that way yeah. leads to bullying, and they don't want that. Or, or in a lot of cases, they've got a reputation to maintain you know they're actually you know a cool student yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden they've decided they've discovered that they're autistic and you know if word gets out <laughs> you know all hell will you know will come to pay you know so so th- th- there are a lot of students who who feel that way and i think you know when they're playing online games and the word autistic is being used as a slur term you know and banded around aggressively as a, as an insult i can see where they're coming from i really can you know it's 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 tough yeah. but so, so, you know, judge your crowd, you know, how well do you know of the course. kid, you know, and, and, exactly. and, if, and if you know that they seem to be OK with the diagnosis, if, you know, if, if they seem comfortable with it. And I suppose that's why we have those uh, SEN stories that we do, don't we? You know, those kind of yeah. pages where the student tells you about themselves and, that, yeah. that, you know, the, the information might be there, whether they're OK with it. If yeah. they're not, then then you don't even have to couch it in the terms of autism, really, do you? You know, you yeah, can just exactly, go to yeah. them and say, you know what, I noticed that you like doodling. And it seems to really help. So, you know, if you want yeah. to, you do that. That's fine. You know, you don't have to mention the A word at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a, and that can avoid that kind of pushback, which, you know, sadly is the case. But like Definitely. I say, it's about the cool, – you know, I, I'm a very firm believer that, you know, with a, with, with some good quality assemblies and, you know, but by, by somebody who knows what they're talking about, yeah. you know, to, to the whole school, uh, to, to you know, to really throw the windows open and throw the doors open on autism, you know, no more – Kind of, you know, a bit taboo. We don't really want to talk about that. Let's let's talk about it. You know, let's get the students understanding it. I was always openly autistic. I've just seen the question there from Libby. I, I was openly autistic in school once I found out um, to both my autistic students and my non-autistic students. And some of my favorite memories are, you know, taking a moment from a lesson just to kind of talk about it a little bit. You know, and just just kind of explain aspects of it. Um, Because I, mainly because I would often, while I was teaching, be playing with like a little bit of Lego in my hands, (laughs) which isn't standard, you know, for teachers. (laughs) You know, you don't don't tend to see that. Um, And you'd often get students kind of, you know, often perfectly politely just inquiring as to why you know, or, you know, so why have you got so much Lego on your desk? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mr. Such-and-such doesn't have any. You know, how come you've got all of this? And, you know, you take the opportunity just to talk about it a little bit, you know, and I explained about how it, you know, it's comforting and it makes me feel a bit less stressed. And it's astonishing how, um, you know, when you open up honestly in that way, how how mature students can be, even the ones that you feared wouldn't be. You know, I've been absolutely, you know, knocked off the off off my seat by, you know, how prejudiced I've clearly been, by, you know, what oh, I yeah. expected students to respond like, and you know, they've 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 completely floored me by how understanding and how you know interested they've been. You know, some of the best questions I've ever been asked about autism have come from students, you know, who are genuinely interested and want to understand because I think they're aware of how many of their peers, this this you know this this includes you know i think i think they know that there are going to be a lot of people in their in their pit in their cohort in their classroom in their tutor group who are autistic and i think they genuinely want to know more about it so you know that's something that i would always say to head teachers you know senior leadership teams you know try to grow that culture within the school itself um you know so it's it's no longer this sort of um quiet slightly unknown and mysterious entity you know that it's something that, that that can be spoken of and can be discussed and and is 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 kind of you know out, out and about, really. Yeah,
0: I mean, that uh, you've already answered Libby's, Libby's text in and said, um, Did you ever tell your students you're autistic? Which you've kind of already answered, and she said, Thank you. Um, uh, also, we've had some other texts in, really enjoying this. Peter is a great guest, fantastic for radio. So there you go. There's a bit, a bit of, oh, nice. you said you like nice. praise. You said you love praise. I do. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then we had a few uh, texts in just about the displays, just people with that kind of resonating Um, a classroom can still have a superb learning environment, even if from a more simplistic approach, Uh, Tom texting saying currently fighting the display battle, the compromises I have displays, but I can apply them directly to classroom practice like word banks. Um, And yeah, I think every school is going to have their particular um, policies that, that you have to follow and et cetera. Um, But obviously it's just just working. It's just working within that, that framework, isn't it? I guess. Um, Listen, Pete. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to the news now, um, and then mm-hmm. in two minutes' time, we are going to start looking at the the framework. The uh, yes, uh, the they call it the eight principle, the GAP principles. Um, so we're going to uh, look at those and uh, and then uh, kind of discuss each one uh, briefly and and try and get some practical. Uh, ideas for each one of these these things off the framework if that's okay so yeah we'll, yep, be, back. we'll be back in about a minute
1: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with megan Goods.
3: this is your latest teachers talk radio news Schools have faced warnings this week from data privacy watchdogs following the rollout of facial recognition technology in canteens. The systems were initially installed to be more COVID safe, allowing students to make contactless payments. A spokesman for the schools implementing the new technology said the software makes payments faster and over 97% of school communities had given their consent for it to be used. However, a spokeswoman for children's digital rights group Defend Digital Me argued that biometrics should never be used for children in educational settings. No ifs, no buts. It's not necessary, just Bannett. The focus group recommended that the least invasive option always be used where young people are concerned. Three schools across Buckinghamshire have been targeted this week by anti-vaccination campaigners. The protest groups targeted the schools with loudspeakers, flyers, and QR codes, which students were encouraged to scan to listen to a song warning them about the alleged dangers of the vaccine. Police were forced to attend one of the scenes to disband protesters. The county remains on red alert for potential anti-vaccine protests at their schools and have had to issue guidance to staff at schools on how to handle demonstrators. That was your latest Teacher's Talk Radio News.
1: Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppy's Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics.
4: Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about Black British, Caribbean and African history, here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to The History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at The History Hotline on Instagram and at The History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes.
1: Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge, and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses? All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com.
0: Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. Um, I'm currently interviewing Pete about all things autism and education. So far, we've covered so much. We've uh, blasted through kind of the autistic experience. We've talked about classroom practice. We've talked a little bit about this idea of reasonable adjustments. What we're going to do uh, in the last part of the show is we're going to look specifically at the uh, autism Educational Trust Gap Principles. So, Pete, what I thought we could do is maybe go through each one and maybe you could suggest uh, ways in which a, a teacher might implement these uh, principles or or action these principles.
2: Yeah, of course, that's fine, yes. Yeah, no okay,
0: problem. so principle number one, uh, it says understanding the strengths, interests and needs of an autistic, of each autistic child. So... Uh, for me, that would mean me knowing the student uh, on and having that relationship with them. Would that be would that be right with that one? Or is there anything there that you would kind of add on principle one?
2: Um, I, I think it's fair enough. I, I think really the, the the key and most important part of that in terms of the teacher relationship with the student um, is 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 to do with the interests that they have. I mean, I've always found when I'm working with an autistic student that the absolute guaranteed kind of almost key to to kind of unlocking that relationship with them and actually being able to get along with them and, and you know, st- them start to kind of see me as another human being yeah. um, is, is to inquire and to just talk to them very briefly, only for a few moments, you know, every now and then, about whatever their interest happens to be, even if I don't really know very much about it myself, um, because it's so important to, to autistic people. You know, our, our interests, our special focuses that we have is is so kind of fundamental to who we are that um, that any kind of acknowledgement of it or or reference to it even if it's tiny can have an absolutely gigantic impact on the day you know it can be so positive and so kind of um, empowering to have that so you know just to give a practical example I mean I I had a couple of students in year 11 uh, both of whom were autistic and you know I spent a bit of time early on you know like in September um, just trying to figure out what their interests were you know just asking them really you know just being quite open um and 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 from that point you know basically whenever they came into the room and i was standing by the door you know and they were coming in i'd just say to them oh you know um any any developments in the world of whatever you know like uh has yeah. anything popped up and admittedly you might have to you know stop them <laughs> when they get started because you know it's very likely that they'll they'll start you know <laughs> yeah. kind of uh just going off on one so you know you have to manage that carefully but it you know honestly it, it makes the day i mean it makes my day if somebody asks me about something i care about then i'm I'm, you know overjoyed yeah. it's a lovely feeling so so i think that 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 is probably the thing that should be focused on the most because it's so easy to do um and it's so universal for autistic people you know generally speaking um that that you know it, it to me it's like a no-brainer you know it's it's just obvious that that, that that's something that would yeah, be a very yeah. very good thing to to focus on really got you Uh, makes perfect sense principle two this is an interesting
0: one it's enabling the autistic child to contribute to and influence decisions now with regards to this 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 is a school's competency framework so i wondered whether this applied more on a on a whole school level obviously than maybe a a a classroom teacher level however you know, I would suggest that perhaps there were applications there on both levels. Uh, I wondered what you thought of that one and what that meant to you.
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I think it has applications on, 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 you know, both the classroom level and the whole school. I, I think on a whole school level, it's about representation, really, um, and ensuring that, I mean, you know, most schools these days have a school council, don't they, of students? Yeah. You know who are kind of either elected or chosen by by staff to you know have that kind of role and you know that they're, they're given tasks like you know um, to do with you know social time and all that kind of thing and 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 I think that you know that kind of thing is often so self-selecting that it's very likely that you're not going to have a huge autistic presence on 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 you know in groups like that. You know, because you know we tend we tend to stand back a little bit, we tend to avoid things that are gonna cause stress, we tend to avoid things that are gonna add deadlines to our lives, et cetera, et cetera, so I suppose you know taking a really proactive kind of um stance on that and trying to ensure that you know autistic students and and you know other neurodivergences like a d h d are are part of that you know organization discussion. if you like yeah yeah exactly because you know i i did a thread last night on twitter about you know bad things that can happen in school uh, that will ruin an autistic kids day and, and one of them was library closures yeah. because obviously libraries are often used for exams they're often used for other things as well like you know cpd and and external training and all kinds of things you know because it, it tends to be one of the nicer spaces in the school um and, and i don't think enough care or thought is given to the impact that it has on the autistic students mm. that, that may well rely on it you know every time it is closed um i mean obviously it's not the case for all autistic kids but a, a lot of them do very much need that space you know a quiet calm and i guess space also
0: I, I, I guess also being able to to things like being able to go to a a classroom during lunch, for example. Um, yes. Yeah. With, uh, you know,
2: either with a friendly teacher, you know, who doesn't mind them interrupting, you know, and being in there. If, if, you know, if the teacher's staying in their room, yeah, if, if not, yeah. then just having a room that's, you know, unlocked where, where they can go and where they can just basically escape the stress of break time and lunchtime, yeah, which exactly. tends to be mm. pretty much the worst part of the day for a lot yeah, of autistic kids. For them. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so, so yeah, getting autistic kids involved in those discussions, I think is important, you know, because otherwise, it's just the neurotypical kids making neurotypical decisions, <laughs> you know, and and often that will will not kind of mesh with what the uh, what what the students who really need something to change need, you know. They, they, they won't get those changes because they're not involved. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think on a whole school level that that's quite important, and just ensuring they have a voice in, in class. I guess you know contribute to and influence decisions. Uh, I mean, it, it could again just be as simple as just that encouragement to invite them to have a say in things. You know, it's, it yeah. often happens that you know we ask students about, you know, uh, oh, what do you think about this, or, or oh, you know, what what shall we do next in our revision topics? You know, we've covered Macbeth. Do we need to go on to Inspector Calls next, or do you feel like you need poetry more? And and again, I think autistic kids are far less likely to speak up at those times.
0: You know, I think way, it's also less likely. I'd... I think there's also a, a, and this, I guess, I guess it ties in a little bit, in the sense of, I think there's, I think there's a general duty, on on the teacher to to, um, to create an environment for all students where everyone feels safe to to speak and no, nobody gets, well, you, we used the term earlier, the Mickey taken out of them or or yes, yeah. or anything like that. Now, it might be that the teacher is is aware of. You know if you're gonna put a student any student on the spot with a question for example or you're gonna ask them something or you're gonna put them in a in a situation if you like where they've gotta uh, express themselves about something then yes. it, it's I think it's worth I mean I this is something I always do I'll always think very carefully about what I think that student's going to say and how I think that might um what that could what could happen as a result so I'm always thinking like mm. how can I protect and I'm not talking about uh autistic students here I'm talking about any students but how, how am I gonna you know how am I gonna make sure that everything is fine for that student regardless of what what that what their opinions are or how they express themselves or what and I think that's something that the teacher can consider I mean that's not exactly what we're talking about here because this is about how the autistic child can contribute to and influence decisions but i do think that that that, that awareness could influence the way a teacher uh, is in the classroom or what they what they do how they ask questions what questions they ask what you know what they do publicly and privately you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah i, th- I think i mean it's it, it's tricky and I, I know what you mean about you know you, you, you predict in your head very much, you know, what you think the student's going to say because that's that's part of the management of the classroom, you know. So it's part of just, you know, staying on top of everything and yeah, um, yeah. A, and all the rest of it. I mean, I, I suppose it's about, it's about setting – I suppose it comes back to that culture idea of, you know, people being aware of what autism is because obviously, you yeah. know, if you ask an autistic student a question based on something either that's academic to do with the work happening or more kind of um, – what's the word? Uh, you know, to do with the running of the classroom or, or whatever it might be, yeah. Um, then, then you know, th- there is probably a greater likelihood of getting a response that you might not predict, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you yeah. know, just because of that different kind of the way that we see the world is is different. So, you know, you are likely to get something that might might be a surprise. You know, and 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 I think that that's a good thing. Obviously, I, th- I think yeah, you know that exactly. that kind of breadth of that breadth of um of perception and understanding is is a really valuable thing. Um, but it's about I suppose it's just about being prepared for anything. Um, yeah, but and... it's also about
0: being prepared to to protect students. I said, I hate that word against, but just protect them from any bullying or protect them from any problems they're going to have. You know, that's, that's it is, important yeah. as
2: well, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if an autistic student says something that, you know, doesn't go down well with the rest of the yeah. class, like, I mean, I've had it before, you know, when, um, you know, a, a, a teacher asks something like, you know, um, just before the end of the lesson, and they're about to go, and then then a student pipes up, "Oh, but what about yeah. the homework?" You know that yeah. that, that classic. Yeah. yeah. It won't always be an autistic person, but given the fact that obviously that's a kind of social um, uh, poison <laughs> you know, in, in many ways to, <laughs> to, to to bring that topic up, yeah. Um, yeah. then it, you know it wouldn't surprise me. You know, sometimes if if, if more often than not, that's going to be an autistic student that does that because there's a sense of well, I've I've done it, and therefore it has to be handed in because. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's fair. That's how things should work, which will fit very tightly with an autistic person's sense of, you know, um, uh, right and wrong and, you know, and how the, how the world should operate. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that can cause real problems because then the students, you know, the other students are furious and, you know, just astonished at the, uh, at the way things have gone there. Uh, I, I guess it depends on how your classroom is already established in terms yeah. of, you know, um, what it's okay to say dynamics, and, you know, where, yeah. yeah, where the boundaries are. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, you know, that that's your opportunity as a teacher to, to model it, you know, and to be like, okay, so you're angry because such and such said about yeah. the homework, but think about it from his point of view. He spent all night right doing that. You know, yeah. he probably spent hours doing that, and now we feel, you know, he's worried that I've forgotten about it, which admittedly i had i mean i've I've literally had this conversation um and and, and wants to make sure that you know that that his hard work is 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 recognized you know and just taking the opportunity just to explain the situation a little bit i suppose um yeah i mean you can't protect everyone from everything all the time it's it's impossible really um but but you can certainly mitigate it i think Uh, just just by being very very open and very clear i suppose strand
0: strand two is about positive and effective relationships and uh number three principle three is collaboration with parents uh carers and other professionals and services uh just briefly i wondered uh whether you you know what what kind of practice you you like in this regard you know what what do you know of that you think is good
2: practice i i think it's very good to get uh, and whether you get this from a parent's evening or from you know a more kind of Uh, specific interaction with the parents i think it's very good to find out how those students behave at home because with autistic students you're very often not seeing them as their true selves yeah because because of the whole masking thing that i talked about earlier you know it's very likely that the, the, the student you're seeing is a student who's working very very hard to to wear this mask and to appear to be um fine you know happy okay you know and, and also neurotypical and and you know therefore not not showing any of their autistic traits and, and i think that that means that you, you know you're obviously and inherently there, not going to get to know them particularly well you know for, for who they really are um you know so, so it's worth talking to the parents and and you know i mean you can't just boldly ask or you know what what tell me in great detail what are they actually like at home but you can glean details you know oh, you, sure you can ask questions like you know well how, how do they get on with homework and you know how, yeah. how are they when they come in from school you know how do they how do they unwind you know what do they do and and, and that can open up a wealth of information that can be really really useful because what you don't want is for the um for, for those inevitable moments where the mask slips or the mask drops completely um and it to be a surprise to you if that makes yeah. sense you know because it, it, because it absolutely does yeah, because it, it's, it's horrifying for both the teacher and the student, you know, because I, I've seen it plenty of times. Like, for example, you've got a very um, capable uh, autistic girl, you know, less I think year 10 is an example that I can think of um, who, who who presents themselves as being absolutely OK all of the time, you know, yeah. just just fine. And, and you know, smiles and, and all the rest of it. And, and, and therefore, I didn't have any real sense of concern if that makes you know i i wasn't particularly worried about them you know i I, it seemed like they were fine so you know my my attention in that respect went elsewhere i suppose naturally but then one time they they got a, a, a an assessment back that wasn't what they wanted and it just it just broke the masks just collapsed and they broke down in class they they were absolutely inconsolable you know just just devastated by the result and as a result of that you know entered into basically a meltdown you know which is when an autistic person's stress levels are too high and you know things can go quite kind of you know in unexpected directions and she was very very unhappy she burst out the room slammed the door behind her which is very out of character um and obviously i mean you know I am not the kind of teacher that would react to that in in a kind of like oh my god how dare you you know detention kind of way. I wanted to find out what the problem was, but that you know with with some teachers or with with cover yeah. staff or with SLT that don't know them, mm. that can be a catalyst that can lead to all kinds of terrible yeah. outcomes. Stress you know overload. where where exactly and, and and you know if a student is in meltdown, it's very 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 common for things to just. Um, Uh, just just get worse and worse and worse you know and and you you know you end up you know what an autistic student needs in meltdown is care and comfort and I and a bit of space you know and and often teachers and staff don't do that they kind of crowd and they 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 tell them off and you know there's criticism and it just explodes you know before you know it you've got like a, a whole day in isolation or worse you know and (laughs) <laughs> it's just like completely unjust and completely yeah. unfair. Um, um, and I suppose you know, if if you had that information from the parents that you know there was a perfectionist issue there, perhaps, or they come home from school and they are absolutely wiped out, they're exhausted, then that's that's information that can be quite useful, you know, oh, because yeah. that that oh, suggests yeah. that they are they Definitely. are masking and they're they're having to hide an awful lot during the day. So yeah, that, that's that's something I would say that's quite easy. Principle Principle Four: um,
0: Workforce Development uh, relating to good autism practice. Now, I have to say, I haven't had any training whatsoever in my whole career on autism and teaching autistic students uh, in no, what no. fourteen years, mm-hmm. and I didn't definitely didn't have any in my teacher training. So, no, um, nor did I. So, so. In fact, I don't even think it was mentioned as a concept. So, what? What? I mean, this. I don't know. I mean, presumably you know what the numbers are of people who are have been diagnosed as autistic. Maybe you know the numbers. I don't know, but I'm guessing it's quite a a lot, right?
2: So it is. It, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it depends whether we're going for formally diagnosed or just you know. No, absolutely. Are, I mean, yeah. No, no yeah. one's noticed it exactly. yet. Exactly. You know, no it's...
0: one's noticed yet. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's the the, the 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 official figure that everyone quotes at the moment is the one that's on the National Autistic Society website, which I suppose is seen as you know like the, the go to for information like that, and that that lists it as one in a hundred. Um, but you know, we already know that that is way, way, way too conservative. There's no mm-hmm. way it's that low. You know, yeah. it's it seems in most recent research and, and and certainly anecdotally that it could be as high as one in thirty, if not higher. Yeah. Um well, I you know, think. In terms
0: I think even there on one in a hundred, that, that's, that's presumably somebody who has been diagnosed with autism. So therefore, yes, yeah. they are experiencing it. I don't like that word severe, but you take my point. They've got to a point where it's been diagnosed by a professional. So that's that one in a hundred. So that, yes, that, that's yeah. still pretty significant when you, it is, yeah, that, a school. when you consider that that's one in every three classes that the average yes. you know, mainstream secondary teacher teaches, right? And and I haven't had any training on it. So no. Uh, uh, no. And this is, in fact, this this show <laughs> is something that's really helping me, right? And hopefully it's going to help a lot of other uh, teachers if they listen to it back, you know, if they want to know, because I don't know. You know, a lot of the questions even I've asked you, I'm embarrassed to ask you because I'm like, <laughs> this. no, seriously. And I'm like, you know, that's why I sent you them in advance, it, written down, because I'm like, I don't even want to type these out in case, like, you know, they're, they're codified. They're in, like, they're in they're in like yeah. text form on screen. So I'm just going to write them out and then I can cross them out and feel better about myself when I realise yeah. how bad some of them are. Put it want. in the bin. Yeah, exactly. But that's not yeah, my I mean, fault in the sense that no, I haven't no, had any, I have literally, no, I don't even, okay. I, you know, you got your general ideas and whatever, but a lot of teachers don't know. So what's the answer to this? No.
2: Well, the answer, and uh, you know, this is where I run the risk of blowing my own trumpet, and I don't, really don't want to do that <laughs> because you know there there are plenty of people out there who can do this and who are willing to do this. Yeah. The answer is to get autistic adults into schools, you know, to 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 yeah. talk either as either as CPD um as just as an experience you know or get them as guests in to talk at assemblies um you know get there has to be there has to be better um training and understanding of aut- autism in schools and it's, it's my opinion and it's a controversial opinion i think but i stand by it that the very best people who are placed to do that are people who are autistic themselves because you know this, this isn't something that is data-led or Mm -hmm. technical this is something that's story-based and anecdotal this is something that's about experiences and best will in the world somebody who hasn't lived it is going to struggle to communicate what it's like you know to, to 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 go to school autistic to have that experience to to know what it's like to teach autistic as well of course um so you need to you need to get them in you know and obviously as i said there are all you need to do is go on twitter and you'll find an awful lot of us you know autistic adults like myself who yeah. who are absolutely willing in fact you know kind of champing at the bit to, to to be allowed to you know speak with schools i mean at the end towards the end of last year before right, the summer holidays i had some i had really nice time I, I spoke to probably about four or five different schools you know it was all via zoom so you know it's all remote yeah, 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 but yeah, ju- yeah. just about you know experiences like that and all the things I've talked about today and you know what it's like for an autistic student to kind of negotiate and navigate the day at school um and and it was great you know it's 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 fantastic because the stu- the the, t- the staff walk away knowing so much more about what it's really about um rather let's than just guessing let, let's
0: say that for whatever reason they can't do that let's say you know I don't know they they don't have whatever they they, they, they can't Ask someone in, right? Okay. Um, what 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 might the f- next best thing be? Let's say is, is there anything else they can? I mean, is there is there something they can do that
2: that they could do tomorrow that would be? Oh, just, just just follow people like you know, follow me on Twitter and then yeah. follow all the people that I follow. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be uh, as a starting point and then follow all the people that they follow, you know, just kind yeah. of, you know, build, build up a kind of critical mass on Twitter so that, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. in that, I mean, you know, edge of Twitter, we all know what it's like, if, if if you could just kind of spice up your feed, you know, with a couple of autistic people, just, you know, sharing their experiences it's amazing how quick that has an impact. You know, it starts to just disseminate, you know, and, and, and creep through. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, I notice it, you know, I mean, obviously I, I started my Twitter account as an edu Twitter account, you know, back in 2010, 2011, you know, whenever yeah. it was, back when teach meets were a thing, you know, when yeah. we were all very excited about that. Um, and, and therefore, you know, I I I know a lot of teachers on Twitter, and I'm followed by a few, and I follow a lot. But I always notice whenever I tweet about autism that the you know all of the engagement really is from the autistic community, you know, the the kind of other half of my Twitter experience, um, and and very little from the from the education side, you know, in terms, of, you know, just in terms of engagement, retweets, uh, likes, those kind of things, you know, I, I can't help but notice it, and it does. It makes me feel like I'm preaching to the choir all the time, and I think a lot of autistic people feel the same way that we're that we're saying all this stuff that we're talking about our experiences, and the only people that are listening are the other autistic people, you know. Who, who, I'd, say who though,
0: some... I'd, I'd say though, Pete, to caveat that that you know, I think every everyone has that that I wouldn't call it a problem, but you know, there, there are always people who are more receptive to certain things, and then you create that that chamber if you like and that's social media. Yes, yes. That's how that's it how is, followers yeah, yeah. and followership is generated. But I get your wider point is that you 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 would like you would you wonder I get I'm guessing you're wondering what the issue is or whether there's a problem with engagement with, with autism in 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 I I per for me I I think for a lot of teachers it it's Probably, and this is this is bad, but it's just not thinking about it. Being too busy, just not thinking about it, and not
2: yeah not, yeah. That's not, that's fair.
0: That's I and I think that's. I honestly think that for a lot of them, it's like right. I've got twenty things, okay. I've, I've got this is da, da 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 da, and and I know we're talking about Twitter here. We're not talking about actual reality, right? We're not talking about today. <laughs> but even but even like in in a in in school, right? It's like. What am I going to talk about? Am I going to talk about all this awful data I've got to input or whatever? Or am I going to talk about, you know, the eight gap principles of the autistic education trust framework, right? And, and I do think there's an element of that is like just putting it on the back burner, which is wrong. It is wrong and it it's not right. And I do think that's, so that's some of the problem is, is that or maybe just unawareness, just lack of awareness, like ignorance, you know, like even I've said to myself, you know, that's why I very selfishly invited you on here because I, I was like, I want to <laughs> I want to l- learn more for myself um, to be a bit more aware. Um, but, you know, what I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a mix of issues there. I don't think it's that people are just turned off to the to the actual content.
2: No, no, I, I don't think they are. I think you're right. It's it's about not being aware that it's there. But you know, if if after as a, as a result of this, you know. Um um, you know, people followed, people like, I mean, it doesn't even have to be me. I mean, you know, there are other people out there, people like Laura McConnell and uh, Tabitha McIntosh and all those, uh, you know. Um, hey, Benny Tabitha's outspoken. a
0: fellow TTR host. I know, I
2: know she is. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're engaged in that community and they're, they're happy to talk about it. Well, certainly Laura, you know, talks about it quite frequently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we're out there and we're, we're, we're willing to talk. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and all, right. it, all it needs is, is for, you know, 10 minutes of an evening to be spent. I mean, I do this sometimes. I will go on Twitter and I think, you know what, I want to know more about, you know, maybe something completely pointless like, mm. you know, um, uh, a film that's coming out or something. And I'll just, you know, I'll trawl Twitter just yeah. briefly and just follow a few extra accounts yeah. just so I get that information. Um, just do that, you know, just for 10 minutes, type in the keyword actually autistic or yeah, autism in exactly. education, see who comes up and just follow a few people you know and and then once you've followed them they're there you know and you'll start to see their stuff and you know that's free cpd right there that that's autistic people sharing their experiences talking about what bothers them talking about what they can do what they can't do what they enjoy what they don't and all of it can be extrapolated to the classroom you know and and that way you start to absorb you know that 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 life you know that that life experience that we all have um and yeah, like I say, you know, it's free and it's quick, so I, w- I would definitely recommend that.
0: Yeah, spot on, spot on. And um, the next one, principle five, is about leadership and management that promotes and embeds good autism practice. Now, I don't want to get too controversial here, Pete, but you know, being being quite on the traditional side on the behaviour approaches, as I as I am for my sins, um, uh, um, the things like things that have been. I don't know, pigeonholed is kind of like on the more traditional side, like silent corridors, for example, or yes, uh, yes. Or, or like uh, make an eye contact or, you know, slant and, and a lot of the teach like a champion methodologies, right? A lot yeah. of them have been criticised, if you like, as, as not being, um, you know, one of the criticisms that's out there is these these approaches do not take into account uh, neurodivergence or, um, you know, whatever, right? Um, do you agree with that, or do you think that that's about how policies are implemented rather than the policies themselves?
2: Um, I, I, I do agree, if I'm if I'm completely yeah. honest with no, you. No, no, I want but you I to agree. Yeah, I want you to agree. Yeah, I think I think that you know the the you know slant in particular. Is a, it's a broad brush tool by its very nature, you know, and and it, it may you know it may well work um, for an awful lot of students, but you know, that's that's a very utilitarian view of education, I think, which is which is understandable, but you know, it doesn't take everyone into account. I, I think that things like silent corridors and uh, and and especially the eye contact and and anything to do with you know kind of social expectations just inherently and instantly alienates pretty much every autistic student that you've got in the school and i think the problem is that um slts that implement these they see that autistic students are going along with it and therefore they assume that everything's fine Mm. but of course that doesn't take into account the fact that the autistic students are going along with it mostly not all of them because some will rebel always (laughs) but they're going along with it because they have to because the alternative is too much stress and what's Really happening is that they're having to mask even more than they would have to mask in another, you know, establishment, um, which is which is going to lead to bad outcomes down the line. W- would so the,
0: would the would the would the counter argument to that be that? the structure and the order of it in terms of say silent corridors or slant, the routines, the structure, the order, the, the, it could be that you've got a very uh, quieter environment, I suppose, with the, you know, in terms of uh, the sensory side of things, would that be a counter argument to that, that you would kind of accept or do you think that, you know, actually,
2: No. no, I, I think that's a very, you know, it, it verges into the stereotyping again there. And this yeah. this is a conversation I had with a, with a with a prominent um, uh, head teacher a while back about you know they, they were saying about how the the site you know autistic people love silence they love the order and mm. and I found that to be extraordinarily dismissive because first of all we're not a monolith but even to the extent that we are actually it's not quite as straightforward as just wanting silence yeah um, you know it, it's about wanting. Basically what I've decided and what I've discovered and really think about quite a lot is that autistic people want their environments to be what they expect them to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. They, they, they want them to feel natural and you know which is why, for example, autistic people can struggle in a really noisy coffee shop that's abnormally noisy, but can quite happily go to a you know a rock concert you know and enjoy it because it's meant to be loud, you know, and you're kind of ready for that. I, I think the problem with things like silent corridors is that, first of all, obviously, it's, it's a very, very um, definite thing, like silence, you know, and, and most autistic people that I'm aware of find the concept of actual complete silence to be quite almost as sensorily difficult as, as, as being too loud because of its extremity, because, you know, it's, it's so total um i always found silent lessons to be very very difficult when i was a kid there was one history teacher that was very very you know every literally no noise at all
0: i didn't and... teach it did i pete <laughs> no
2: no <laughs> way before your time <laughs> i'm joking um, i'm joking. And, I'm trying, to and, be funny, um... I'm trying to be funny <laughs> <laughs> but but it made me afraid to breathe yeah which right. is a feeling yeah. that i remember even to yeah. this day i yeah. was terrified yeah. of Goodness. just breathing you know and, and
0: i mean i had, i had teachers like that at school as well too.
2: you know they they you know they were so intense and unfair you know it's just ridiculous but you know it's it's a good example of how it can it can work both ways um and then of course you've got the big issue of this autistic need for everything to be fair and you know reasonable mm. Mm-hmm. which is a very strong um kind of um imperative for all for for nearly all autistic people you know it's it's the reason why you've got people like Greta Thunberg you know and mm-hmm. and why it's so frequently the case that the autistic people in your school if they have got the the means to do it will probably be quite you know uh, what's the word? You know, like revolutionary, and want to change yeah. things if they can. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and quite eager to fight back. You know, if if they perceive an unfairness, then yeah. they 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 will challenge it. And I, and I think that these very the, the, these slant based systems, they don't allow for that at all. And they, they they again put the autistic person who who is kind of very keen and very desperate to understand why it is they're being told off. To 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 understand because you know you oh you're being told off because you made a noise in the corridor and it's like well well why is that such a problem that I'm getting told off to this extent and I can see why you know teachers might be thinking well you know just grow up and deal with it but. You know, from an autistic point of view, that this idea of silence in a corridor seems so kind of unnecessary and illogical that it it is you know it, it almost invites challenge. You know, and um, and I just feel like that's that's always going to be the case. You know, the, these systems are going to set things up so that autistic people will challenge, and then they'll get into trouble, and then it would just get worse and, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and that's without even going into the you know the issue of of you know things that are very definitely difficult, like eye contact. I mean, if you're forcing It's my very strongly held belief that if you force an autistic student to make eye contact, you're essentially abusing them. As strong a word as that is, um, I I can't think of a a better word to use because um, to autistic people, eye contact is so reserved for only the most intimate situations uh, it's it's about the way our brains work differently. You know, we we literally have eye contact for different purposes. You know, we do not do it the same way as everyone else. Um, and forcing it in a, in a situation in a classroom is it, it isn't far removed really from forcing someone to touch someone. You know, and not I say you know in a, in a, in a sexual nature, but just in a in that intimacy. You know, kind of idea. You know, like forcing someone to kiss someone, like you know, like old grandma. <laughs> you know, like being forced to kiss grandma before you go home, um, or being forced to give somebody a cuddle when you really don't want to. And and that is something that I'm very troubled by, um, because, you know, you're, you're you're inflicting there something that is closely approximating actual pain on the student, um, who who's likely to just go along with it because. You know what else can you do? You know you you might argue, or you might just kind of go along with it. And and uh, and I, what I worry about is is a lack of understanding of that, and a lack of empathy for that, and and like a a kind of knee jerk reaction of well, you know, for goodness sake, you know, it can't be that bad. And it's like, well, how do you know? <laughs> you know, because that is the kind of response you often see. You know, especially on Twitter, where people are quite free and easy with their insults and their and Again, you know, what they say.
0: He, to play devil's advocate here, and I'm not saying I agree with anything I'm saying to you. I'm just presenting you the uh, some of the things that people might say to counter some of this. Um, would somebody say, "Okay, um, uh, I'm taking into account"? Uh, let's not. Uh, I'm not just talking about autistic children. You know, any, any, any uh, kind of thing here. I'm taking it into account, but in the future, um, these children or whatever will need to make eye contact in different situations. So, therefore, I'm training them for the world as we know it, I suppose, in terms of whatever, if, if they want to do different jobs. Would that be a, again, I've seen that counter-argument being made. Um, yes, I have some, too. Yeah. So, I wondered whether, like, is there any credence in that or is that just not, is that not right?
2: (laughs) It depends on your view of the world, I suppose. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely not. I mean, I I don't think that you can abuse people just for preparation to be further abused in life. Um, I think that that that's that's kind of inherently wrong. Uh, The the fact is as an adult, I won't make eye contact with you, Um, you know, unless I really, really feel that I have to. And, as I've grown older, I've just kind of settled into that more, and you know, it gets to the point where you don't really even care anymore about what people think about you, you know, because yeah. you hit your mid-thirties, you're know, approaching forty, and yeah. you know, that whole thing starts to not matter anyway. Um, but you know, I I, I I stand by the idea of you know not forcing myself to do it because it's so desperately uncomfortable because I, I, I because it 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 hurts on an emotional and even to a slight physical level. I'm, I'm just not willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So so the idea of you know preparing students to have to deal with this kind of torture just because that's what adulthood will involve just feels to me to be just an admission of failure in itself you know it's like well we've got to prepare them for it because you know it's awful in adulthood so we may as well get them ready well don't make it awful in adulthood then let's change something you know let's 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 Alter the conversation. Let's make it so that we haven't got this peculiar focus on 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 eye contact in this culture, you know, this Western culture of ours, that, that that's so important and that excludes so many people. Um, obviously, that's a pipe dream. You know, that's a long way off. But it won't be achieved if we just continue just to you know do do the usual, you know, and 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 say, okay, kids, you know, autistic kids, sorry about this, but you're going to have to make eye contact because you know, in twenty years, your boss will expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think if we we take that line of argument, then we're we're admitting defeat before we even begin, you know, and we're we're, we're saying, yeah, you know what, it's too hard to change, not going to bother changing it, so I'm afraid you're just going to have to carry on being, you know, deeply, deeply uncomfortable Mm. on a daily basis. Um, I I, I fervently believe that if there was some way to show or to make a non-autistic person experience how it feels to make eye contact when you don't want to, that there would be no argument. Yeah. I really believe that, you know, and and uh, I, it's just coming up with the, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to come up with that killer analogy, you know, that would really nail it down, you know, and really make it clear. But it, it's difficult, you know, it is it is difficult. I think you know, experiencing it firsthand is obviously the only real way to truly get it. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's that's my view on that whole thing, really. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, in in
0: i mean that's we're running out of time so i'm going to i'm going to put principle 7 and 8 together right okay. so principle 7 is targeted support and measuring the progress of autistic children and principle mm-hmm. 8 is adapting the curriculum teaching and learning to promote well-being and success for autistic children so i wondered with this one what you know it says targeted support we we've mentioned a lot of this, haven't we already? Yeah. So, so you know, we mentioned about uh, displays. We mentioned about um, kind of the presentations that the teachers do on PowerPoints and so on. We've mentioned about perhaps what was the phrase you used? Sorry, the uh, the uh, uh, kind of giving them something to do while things are going on, allowing. Oh, them uh, that... stimming. Thank you, stimming. We mentioned stimming. We mentioned, yes. stimming. We mentioned <clears> a <throat> lot of the the kind of uh, support measures. Um, it's interesting that, you know, measuring the progress of aut- targeted support and measuring the progress of autistic children. I'd be hmm. interested there um, again, progress, and I've written extensively on this outside of this context, but, you yes. know, it's inter- I'd be interested to know what we mean by progress, because again, we can, you know, progress as human beings or progress in terms of learning. I mean, it specifically says learning and development. So again, it's like development for me means developing as a human being, right?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I suppose that's that's probably what it is getting, at, especially primary yeah. level. I guess yeah. that would be a focal point, you know, because there's those milestones, that obviously, all children are meant to achieve at certain times. Uh, and for autistic kids, you know, a lot of the communication and social ones will be maybe delayed or, you know, come at unusual times yeah. that you wouldn't normally expect. Like,
0: exactly. So I was going to ask you, like, in terms of measuring the progress of an autistic child, you know, what, what kind of things... Would you let's like, say you were at school now? Like, what kind of things would you have liked your progress to be measured against? What are there any specific measures where you would have been like, this would have been great if they'd have actually targeted this and looked at my progress in this area or these areas specifically. Um,
2: it's an interesting one because I, I think so. I, I think a lot of the time it, w- it would have. I suppose when I was at school, it would have been nice to have been considered. You know, outside of the academic process, you know, progress—the whole idea of grades and you know, improving at skills like that—to um, to have had more of an understanding of just how how spiky the autistic person's skill set tends to be, because yeah. I think that's something that's very often like um, just either not known about or, or or obviously you know ignored or not not taken into consideration, um, because I think we we generally think that you know students will you know, they will they will make progress at a fairly steady pace, you know, across the board, you know, there won't be too much differentiation in how they are in um, English compared to how they are in, say, history, you know, a similar subject, um, you know, within reason anyway, you know, it won't be too extreme. But with autistic students, what you're going to find is that the um, some skills they absolutely are, are, you know, stunning at perhaps, you know, really, really good, probably because they spent so much time honing it because of their kind of, you know, focus power, you know, to be able to really spend time on a topic whereas other things almost without real any any kind of clear reason they just don't understand at all like just nothing like complete gap there yeah, yeah you yeah. know and, and 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 that's very very commonly the case we all you know i mean I, I i've spoken about it at length and because there's no understanding of it what you tend to get is that teachers either don't notice it or, or just get frustrated by it you know, when, when actually, you know, that it is part of the disability, if you like. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as an example, I mean, obviously we're running out of time, but as an example, um, as a student, you know, I, I was I was pretty good at things. You know, I, I did fairly well. Um, but I have a massive, massive, massive gap in, in music. Okay, now it's interesting because I can play the guitar and, you know, I've, I've done singing in the past and things like yeah. that. So, you know, I, I, I would count myself as a musician, but I cannot read music. And yeah. it doesn't appear to be possible (laughs) for me to learn how to read music i I, you know i have tried so many times and you know every time i've tried learning something else it's been you know it might have been slow or difficult but i've got there in the end you know i've i've managed it eventually yeah but with reading music it's just not it 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 doesn't work something about it doesn't click you know so that's that's you know the spiky skill set for me it's like i can play the guitar really fairly well you know so you know high skill there but I can't read music, you know, catastrophically low skill there, you know, and, and I think an understanding that that is not necessarily to do with effort or, um, you know, application or paying attention that, that it's something deeper than that would be really, really helpful from a lot of teachers. Uh, You know, to truly understand that, you know, we we might be busting a gut to try to resolve this, but still not getting anywhere, Mm. you know, which I I think can be missed, you know, especially if that effort is going on kind of outside of school or, you know, at home and things like that. Because often, you know, autistic students might not want to rock the boat. They might not want to admit that they they don't get something. Um, So, you know, they they might work very hard at at home trying to figure it out and still not managing. So I think that would be something.
1: Yeah,
0: and um, um, oh, that's great. And finally, the uh, principle eight talks about adapting the curriculum. Now, I'm interested because in mm. there's a huge buzz with Ofsted and so on about curriculum now. And, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started on that. But but I wondered with this kind of you know idea of adapting the curriculum, uh, for, and it says uh, to promote well-being and success for autistic children. Are there any curriculum adaptations that you would? view favorably i mean you know in terms of the actual content you know in terms of the the way things are structured for learning and in, in that way or do you think well actually it would be minimal
2: well i mean i think i said right at the beginning you know yeah. in terms of the actual way that we learn um apart from you know the focus and the lack of focus the, 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 there's not a huge amount I, I would say that one thing that would certainly fit into this category would be representation Mm. um which is you know something that all you know minorities of every single type will, will you know will benefit from you know um just just finding out that there are other people out there like yourself yeah, yeah. um and, you know and i think one way to achieve that is is for schools especially primary schools because i think it tends to be more geared around that age group but maybe yeah. key stage three um uh, especially in English and maybe tutor time, you know, where you do quiet reading, to, to, to start looking at the massive influx we're starting to get now of, of um, fiction written by autistic writers about autistic people. You know, um, it's it, it wasn't there for an awfully long time, but now it really is. You know, it's starting to really kick into gear, and there's some great writers out there like Elle McNichol and Holly Small who, who, who write about autistic experience in fiction mm-hmm. in, a, in an accessible way for young adults. Um, that, you know, I mean, the inclusion of something like that on a Key Stage 3 curriculum or on a reading list even, just at the very bare minimum, would be a real benefit, I think. You know, just yeah. to make autistic kids feel, oh, my God, you know, there are yeah, more yeah, of us yeah, out yeah. there. Because they're very often not even aware themselves of the fact that there are autistic adults out there, you know, doing jobs and living and, you know, whatever they are, whatever they're up to, you know. So, so having that made very clear to them, I think, would be a huge benefit, like really massive, um, you know, however it could be implemented. Pete, we've been through,
0: I feel like we've been talking since last year. We've been through so much. <laughs> yes. It's been, I, I, thank you so much for giving up the time today because you've given up a real chunk there to go through a lot of things and including a lot of my tiresome questions so i appreciate the time you've given and um and and the answers you've given have will will be very very helpful to every teachers talk radio listener out there i'm absolutely certain on that Um, yes i hope so they will, but they will be. And um, just just before we end, is, is there anywhere people can kind of get in touch with you and find you if they want to, you know, follow up from here? Presumably, Twitter is a good option, but is there any other yeah. way they can do it? Website, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Twitter is the first port of call. Um, however, I won't necessarily have my DMs open. So, in, if, yeah. if you want to get in touch with me about something or send me an email, then just go to my website, which yeah. is um, yeah. PeteWarmby dot co.uk i think it's very simple yeah <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. just my name find basically it. They yeah find they'll it. find it uh, uh and that's got contact you know and all the rest of it so so that that's an easy way but i'm also on you know linkedin and and things like that so so yeah you know get in touch um but you know if my, my twitter is is like my my main kind of mode of shouting yeah. at the world so, so you know, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, worth yeah. it's worth following that if you if, if you're interested uh
0: seema seema is texting just before we go so really interesting show a topic i know barely anything about double exclamation mark thanks for sharing and discussing so you know that that really is that's good is my you know kind of thinking on this as well is that you know it's not discussed probably enough. Um, well, it's mm-hmm. definitely not discussed enough, and there is a lot. And I talk about myself here. I, I can't talk about other people, but there is for me um, that level of, of kind of ignorance about it. So it's it's really helpful to to go through these questions. So thanks again, Pete. And um, no problem. Ha, ma- maybe you can drop in again sometime. And uh, we'll, oh, I'd love we'll, to. Yes, we'll yeah, do some means. more. We'll, we'll, if it if it comes up again, um, which it will. I'm sure then, then we can um, we can. I'm sure there'll be a response as well to some of the things you've said on on the show, and people can uh, people can share their thoughts. So um, thanks very much again, and speak to you soon. No problem. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Pete. That was Bye-bye. Pete Warby, who very kindly uh, came on to Teachers Talk Radio today. We've got five shows today on Teachers Talk Radio. Can you believe that? Um, so later on from from 4 p.m. you've got. Uh, Lots and lots of shows to look forward to this evening uh, from, from four onwards. Uh, we've got Tom Hopkins-Burke covering for Seb Ventura at four o'clock, uh, talking all about target grades. Oh, God, help us. Um, but genuinely, it sounds like a really intriguing show. He's got Dawn Cox on there, um, and they're going to be debating this idea of the use of target grades and, and whether we need to get shut. A topic that's, that's come up time and time again within the education circles. So that'll be a show well worth, uh, tuning in to 6 pm, Liam Lax, 8 pm, Genevieve Bent, 10 pm, Stacey Ray, uh, all coming up on Teachers Talk Radio this evening. See you next week.
1: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.